Hey, this is Jose Galison of No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel. You can also find me as about anywhere audio podcasts are at. Today, my guest is Matt Erickson of the Kingfield Podcast. Um, not really like a set topic like I tend to like to do. Uh, as always, I like money. So Patreon.com is No Way Jose 2020. Uh, also, go check out Top Lobster. And you can get some of my merch there if you're so inclined. Um, so, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and bring on Maddie, and we're going to get at it. This should be a good one. What's up, dude? Hey, hey, how's it going, man? Good, good. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself for the people who live under a rock who haven't been paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy who, 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 well, I'm one of the guys who lit Libertarian Twitter on fire mm-hmm. a week and a half ago or something like that. And... Uh, I'm not, I, I can't lie and say that it wasn't at least partially intentional. Uh, it was, it was a little, a little bit calculated, but, uh, but also it, it, that wasn't really the thing that I expected to really get people's attention and really get them wound up. That was just kind of a happy side effect. But so, yeah, so I'm, like you said, I'm, I'm Matt, Matt Erickson. I'm the, the, one of the hosts of the King pill podcast. And then right now we're just a YouTube channel, but podcast eventually. And then I'm also co-host of Wealth, Power, and Influence with Jason Stapleton, uh, which uh, airs every Monday. And then I tweet a lot, and I'm on Twitter very often, and that's where I spend the majority. Really, I'm just a guy who just likes to read, and I am always thinking about... I have this kind of like this relentless urge to build a comprehensive picture of the world. I want to have a picture of the world so that I fully understand everything, and that like a theory of everything kind of you can, you can put everything into. So I just sort of follow my interests and just read. And I, I spend all of my time usually reading or watching like niche YouTube channels or, or listening to books or something like that. Just, just consuming content. And I've followed myself as my interests have gone. I've gone through uh, from economics to politics, to religion, to quantum mechanics, to, uh, various philosophies and I've just kind of just keep adding, keep consuming information. And pretty soon I'm like, okay, I did, I've piled myself full of information. I need to get some out. I need to put something out there so that I have room for more. And so Steven, my, uh, the other host of King Pilled, he talked me into, he and I were, were texting about some stuff and, and he was like, dude, these, these ideas you're talking about, this is crazy stuff. You need to make this public. you like, you need to get more people like talking about this sort of thing. It's like, we got to start a podcast. And I've had other people have told me that I should start a podcast. Everyone was always like, when are you going to start your own with uh, Jason's show? And, and I wanted to, like, I was, it's just, I've always kind of enjoyed this and I want to do something, but I have a lot of inertia. I have a, it's very difficult for me to like get up and get something going. I like to just sit and think. So uh, Steven got my ass in shape and we started the show and, and then we've just been going live two times a week and talking about really super niche political, cultural, philosophical, libertarian, uh, politics, and a little bit of Eastern Orthodox religion as I'm dabbling in that a little bit. And that's, that's, that's basically just, just kind of, uh, how the whole thing started and, and where I'm at at this point. Yeah. You guys have been grinding for a while. I'm pretty sure you guys actually either started around the same time as I did, or even before you guys have been grinding for a while. Uh, October of last year is when, about when we started. Yeah. It's about roughly when I started as well. But yeah, no, uh, I, I've taken a saying that I, uh, I'm i just a retard who reads books, who tries to relay the information to other retards. So <laughs> yeah. you're, you're the non-retarded version of me is kind of what it is. So. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say, or I just shorten it up with I'm just a retard who reads books. 
But <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I always try to approach it from a humble place because I mean, I feel like I do sometimes surprise people. They find I'm smarter than I, than you think. But mostly, I rely on interesting guests like you to be able to keep this going. So, whereas you and Maddie, or not Maddie, uh, the other way around, you and Steven, uh, friggin', you guys usually just you YouTube every episode. So you guys actually do have a wealth of shit to say. Uh, I figured now would be a good time. I, I feel like I, I don't know if you want to provide like kind of a response because I, I know you said this kind of does did work out to your advantage, and I get that. I've been saying a lot lately with a lot of stuff like this. These are great opportunities to. Uh, galvanize your allies and identify your enemies. Like use this as an informative moment and, you know, move forward from there. And I think this whole, this, there's been a few things recently that have been really great moments for that. This one, especially. And um, like the biggest thing I made a post the other day that I was like, I don't get the ire you got. I mean, I get it in a sense in like a smooth brain, like, Oh, someone made fun of Dave or like, and immediately just, or the fact you're around Vin, which to be even honest, I watched that probably like one and a half times that exchange. Um, uh, I did it for some other show as to talk about it. But anyways, um, like even Vin in that interaction, you can kind of play devil's advocate and kind of make a case for him never really, you know, ascribing ill will to Dave. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of the word choices he made had implications and I know a lot of people get upset about that. And there's also the case that's like, come on, Vin's a really smart guy. Like, are we really to believe he didn't pick his words intentionally? I don't know. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But but you especially, I, I really do not recall anything whatsoever that was in any way disrespectful to Dave, aside from, you know, a hey, a critique of his of his strategy. Because like I don't know about you, uh me personally, I'm the same way. I'm I consider myself more like akin to the agorist school. I don't think the politic like utilizing the LP is the way to go. I mean, I actually, I talked to Andrew about this recently that I, I actually think going the G if you're going to go one way, the GOP actually makes more sense. Like, yeah. Personally. Like, I mean, I, I prefer you don't do either, but if you're going to do one, like <laughs> at least that makes sense. But, uh, right. but even then Dave's who brought me to anarchy, I have an immense respect for Dave. Like he's the closest thing I have to a libertarian hero. If, if you'll say that, Aside from maybe like Ron Paul, like I mean, I but at the end of the day, he's still a person and he still has ideas I don't agree with. Same thing with like Ron Paul. There's things that he's said before that I don't necessarily 100% agree with. Uh, no one I 100% agree with. So I don't know. I just didn't. I figured it'd be nice for you to have a chance to respond because I mean, I I don't know. I felt like you kind of got gypped there in a certain way. It, it just seemed kind of came off shitty to me, like how a lot of people were, especially in regards to you and. Like there was nothing that I saw that was really in any way attacking Dave, you know? So yeah, I, I yeah, know. I definitely, I didn't go into that conversation expecting to talk about Dave all that much, which in hindsight, I guess is probably a little naive. Cause like if we're going to, so the, the premise of the conversation was uh, after I had, uh, I was on Pete Quinones show and that everyone was really talking about that, that uh, episode. And, and, and it was a genuinely generally a pretty positive response. I didn't, I didn't really hear anybody who was like really critical of, of that conversation, which was, which was encouraging to me. I was like, okay, so these ideas have some traction, like people are into these ideas and they're, they're resonating. And almost like the day after I, that episode posted, Clint hopped in the DMS with, with, uh, with Vin, with Cyprian or, you know, with him and I, and, and said, Hey, <clears throat> Do you guys, you guys both seem to be like outspokenly opponents of the LPMC route. 
do you guys want to come on? I just had Dave on recently and he did his thing. Do you guys want to come on and like offer the response sort of? And he actually said, do you should like, do you, do you want to have like do the thing with Dave? And my, my take on it was like, I didn't really think that doing it with Dave would be that productive because, uh, because Dave at this point, his responsibility with the, the job that he's doing now is to galvanize support for what he's doing. His, his, this is, he's past the point where he needs to be like publicly kind of wishy-washy or criticizing, maybe like being self-critical, like he, that he's beyond that point. So you're not going to have a productive conversation on that level with him because he doesn't have the incentive to, and I understand that. So I, I'd said, you know, I don't think it's really that be valuable to, to, to have all three of us there. Um, but then I didn't, I didn't really expect to spend that much time talking about Dave per se, because I was more like I'm more interested in the reasons why it's not a, not strategically a good move. Um, and my goal ultimately is not to talk the LPMC into doing something different because I know that their mind is set. They're already pot committed and they're not going to change. My goal is to persuade people not to join them. And, and I, and I don't want people to not join them just so that they fail. I want to get, I want to craft a message in such a way that it, that it attracts the people who see the world the way that I do and are like, like there's, there's a genuine effect when you get caught up in a movement like this, where people get like ideologically possessed or they get ideologically blinded and they're just wrapped up in the movement itself. They get caught up in the emotion. And then if they have an opportunity to just kind of step back and look at it more objectively, they're like, man, what was I doing? Like, how did I, how did I get myself caught up in that? How did I go down that, that road? It's and my, it's they, they, all the time right. duopoly and they do the same damn thing. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the exact same dynamic. I'm just taking the same dynamic that we've observed elsewhere that everyone in the libertarian community is wide, widely aware of. And I'm applying it to this situation. And I'm saying, if you're the type of person who's going to wind up regretting this, then don't do it. Like we have, there, there's, there's something else that we have for you that this, this problem that we want you to work on with us, this thing needs to be solved. Cause the LPMC, like grant, even granting their premise, they're effectively just trying to reform the system. That's that's the if you're going in through the system through its own vessels and operating according to its own rules, you're you're attempting to reform the system. You can say, well, we're trying to get people to buy out to 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 not buy into it altogether and just leave the system, but still, that means you're trying to reform it. And yeah, they, they, they'll scream messaging. But my, my big thing I've been saying is, but by the very act of doing that, you're corrupting the messaging. Right. Exactly. So like, exactly. And like, I know you can quibble and be like, well, technically there's nothing wrong with that. Blah, 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 blah. But like, like you said, it's kind of a performative, like, and yes, you can't, there are legit arguments to be said of like, well, it's not technically because this, that, this, this, but we're already in the spot where we're quibbling about this. So there's already this, like, there's this haziness around it. So whether whether you can come up with a good argument why it's okay, it's still kind of like the fact that we even have to have an argument kind of really shows that like this kind of corrupts the messaging to some extent. Right. Like whether you like it or not, there's going to be people that are like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> like it's and, inescapable. So. And then for that reason, if the messaging is corrupted, that means it's not going to be, at, it's not going to be at a hundred percent effectiveness. So that means just looking at it. Like if you want to get super autistic and look at this, like, like an, like a, you're studying economics then you just say, okay, so there's the costs and there's the benefits. If the benefits outweigh the costs, then we'll we'll do it. If the costs outweigh the, the benefits, then we won't do it. And maybe we'll we'll allow a generous allotment here of 
kind of shooting for the moon and just hoping to, you know, hoping to strike it rich. So we'll give ourselves a little bit of a buffer there. And, you know, if it's really, really close, we might break it on the, uh, break the tie on the side of the benefits. So if you're going to evaluate it that way, the fact that, as you pointed out, we're having this conversation that in and of itself is evidence of the fact that it corrupts the message. So already now you've undermined some of the benefits that now your benefit side is dropping and your cost side is, is increasing. And so then the next question is, is there something better that we could be doing? So there's opportunity costs, because obviously if you're doing one thing, you can't do a different thing. Any time allotted to this thing is something not allotted to the other. So what are the opportunity costs? Well, that depends on what the other options are. And that's the case I'm trying to make is here's, these are other options that are, they're not as immediately effective, but they're playing the long game. If you start creating wealth for yourself and you, and by wealth, I don't mean make a lot of money. It can be make a lot of money, but I mean, create a wide disparity between your, your, your inflows and your outlays and um, ex expand your networks. So, so wealth isn't, is your, is wealth is your assets. It's all of the assets that you have. And that can be personal. It can be um, communal. It can be financial. It can be just about anything. So I'm saying expand those, make yeah, yourself a more valuable person. Value. Yeah. So like, right. It's just what things you value have more things that you value. I, I get what you're getting. At. Exactly. Because a lot so, of people are like, you know, Oh, just, you need more money. Like, oh. <laughs> right. Well, it's like, well, for one thing, if you're going to go get involved in a political thing, I tweeted something like this the other day and, it, and some people definitely didn't get what I was saying. They, and I don't think it was because I, I phrased it poorly. They, if you're going to get involved in a political campaign, regardless of what your goals are, the actual performance of that campaign will be dictated by the people who fund it. That's a that's a that's the, an iron rule of politics. The person who funds the campaigns controls the campaigns. So as soon as you get involved into a political campaign, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to go to people with money and say, "Hey." please contribute to my campaign. And they're going to decide whether or not they're going to contribute based on what they think that your campaign is going to do for them and their values. So what I'm saying is that if you really want to move this needle, libertarians need to become the ones who are funding the campaigns. If you're funding the campaigns, you get to dictate who, who runs and who doesn't. You get to dictate which policies to the extent that electoral politics is actually where the game is determined. Because really the game is, if you're going to go into politics, the game is determined in, 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 in lobbying. It's not in activism, it's in lobbying, which again, you need the money. So, so when I say that to be like, you need to be creating wealth, I'm saying you need to play this game in a way that makes it more likely that you're going to win. And I'm saying that to taking the LPMC route is not that, that that's the way that's, that's the odds are stacked against it too much. Now, Saying all that, I also believe that they're going to be, they're going to generate a lot of momentum. They're going to make a lot of noise and they're going to get um, a lot of support from like the alt media network. Like, I guarantee you that Dave running for, for president, he's going to get Joe Rogan's endorsement. He's going to get Tim Pool's endorsement. He's going to get um, uh, probably like the Weinstein's endorsement. He's going to get like that with the whole IDW crew, Dave Rubin. He's going to get all of their endorsement and their audiences are going to go with it. I, I, I acknowledge that. I recognize that. I think that's what's going to happen. I expect that. And still, I don't think that it's going to be worth it because the, the problems here, it's not just the opportunity cost. Now, you also have to contend with the nature of the culture that we're living in. And I just finished reading the book, The Fourth Turning. 
And they predicted exactly where we're at right now, essentially. And one thing about these turnings is that at the end of a fourth turning, there's always some sort of major conflagration akin to total war within that society. We're on pace for some form of total war. This means that the stakes of being an active political dissident are rising significantly. Now we're talking, the, the president's talking about, or is the press secretary is talking about, they're going to have uh, people going door to door, giving out vaccinations, knocking on people's doors that aren't vaccinated yet. That means they have a list somewhere. So they're going to be going and finding people who are on this list that are not vaccinated and 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 offering them a chance to be vaccinated. That's the level of political climate that you're getting into. And you want to go get involved in a movement where you position yourself as someone explicitly hostile to the regime who's trying to whip up resentment against the regime. And you're not doing it in the most effective way possible. Like if you're going to do that, if you're going to take all of those risks, get something for it. Take some form of power, gather, get, get, take hold of some institution that is going to actually do something for you in the future, and then make sure that that's an actually a worthy institution that's actually going to do something for you in the future. Yeah, no, I mean that, that's one thing I've said. Like with the LP, is it's kind of a, it's kind of a. They go, people will always accuse them of being like they're they're weakening their messaging and be like, and we'll say that they're doing it for political vote or political type reasons or votes or whatever, or to get someone in a certain position. And they'll go, oh yeah, but that's because we're doing both. And it's like, but when you do both, you you kind of end up getting neither. Right. Sense. So like you corrupt the message and then on the power side of things, you have no power. Like there isn't there, like you, it's just a, it's a complete, I don't know. It's just the more I think about it, the more I'm like, this is just a waste. And on top of that, like kind of some of the stuff you're talking about, I, I really think, I actually very much agree with you. Assuming uh, this takeover keeps going, I think they're going to take over. Assuming Dave runs, I think he'll do better than any LP uh, candidate ever does in the history of, of, of the LP. I think he'll do better than anyone. But I think in the process, he's probably going to become a little bit more milk toast, and it's going to allow I, – I really think we're going to see a return of the old guard. And, like, my thing is I think it's just going to naturally – I think you know, there's probably – maybe there's some case for someone smarter than me and make some sort of, like, case for political party incentives – like, so I think the incentives are going to drive it right back to the old guard. So whether that means Dave becomes it or the people that follow him, but he's just going to build this progress and create a larger institution for the Sarwaks to take over in the future. So Absolutely. And that's kind of like, wh why? Like, like, what is the point? And like, I, a lot of what you've been saying has been resonating with me and kind of thoughts I'd already had. We're kind of coming from different ways. It's like, we just need to be building what's next. Right. Right. Like, that it, that should be the utmost focus. And like, oh, I did want to mention too, like with the messaging, a lot of people are like, well, where are you going to get better messaging? I'm like, you know, say something like agorism or just, just living out that type of life. There's no better messaging than doing it. So like, I mean, it speaks for itself. Because that's another thing, you know, with building the next thing, it's create proof of concept. So like, because if you create proof of concept, you don't need any sort of like theory or anything like that. People buy in you, you like, cause I mean, that's what, I don't know if it was you or who it was that said that like, actually I think it might be Pete that said a lot lately that like we're set or my actually been Kaufman. I don't remember. Someone said that like, we're selling a product no one wants. And it's like, that's because we're stuck in theory and we haven't created the product. Right. So, like, go create the product. And like, if our theory is so great, go use it. Like go create something. And that way people can go like this, look at this product. 
This is why you should come here. And you don't have to give them any friggin' nerdy theory because no one cares about that. Your average person doesn't give a shit about theory. Like, so that's why things like Uber, Lyft, they do so well. Even crypto because they're proof of concept. Like they take our principles and apply them in the real world. And most people don't even think about it. They just use it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Popular Liberty, Andrew says, he says that people are better shoppers than they are voters. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's what that is. Give the people something that solves the problem for them better than the state. And and they'll take it because humans are that's how the humans just follow incentives and it has to be better than the state from their perspective. You can't present something that's better for you and say, hey, come do this thing that's better for me, which is what the libertarian message comes off as the libertarian message in popular culture is is always inevitably like this isn't something that you're going to overcome. This is a fundamental facet of the libertarian message. And, and it will always have this relationship to the popular culture. It's your thing sucks. You should do the stuff we care about more. That's, that, they, that's, the, that, that's the way it's always going to be. It doesn't matter how you reframe it. If you don't control the avenues through which that message is being delivered, and if it isn't attached to real value in someone's life, then it's, it's never going to be successful. So, Going on to these other platforms to deliver your message just reinforces those platforms. It doesn't sell your message better. You ultimately, people want to buy something that's like people are very simple. They just want something that's going to make their life better. They just want to buy something that is attractive and that makes their life better. I mean, I this is where again, like I, I'm not super interested in the politics stuff. I want to get into the theory and the philosophy and everything. So like mimetic theory by by Rene Girard that I've just started reading a book on as well. And I've, I've been listening to David Gornoski talk about it for a while. I've heard about it from Peter Thiel, some other people. But basically, the, the, the essence of it is that we, d- we learn how to desire things by mimicking other people. So when other people desire something, we desire it too because they desire it. And you can, from that, uh, from that concept of desire, you can extrapolate like every human interaction essentially is, is – is, programmed into them almost the, as a, as a response to this natural cause and effect that happens and to the, the way, so every society winds up following its elites because the elites are the, the ones who everyone else, like everyone else wants to have wealth and they want to have power. They want influence. They want to be able to do whatever they want. They want like, they want the stuff that the elite people have. So they mimic the elites. They'll dress like them. They'll talk like them. They'll act like them. They'll adopt their values they'll be instructed by them this is what this is what the news functions as the news is a an institution for teaching all of the plebs how to have elite culture and until libertarians can approximate that level of influence over the culture they're always just going to be the 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 like kind of helpless martyrs throwing themselves against the rocks at the base of the the wall of the castle kind of like they're just they're not going to they're not going to connect with people um, so, so that my, to me, messaging is completely useless. It's of no value whatsoever because ultimately societies don't turn on majorities. They don't turn on the masses. Societies turn within the elite class and the masses follow. So if you're trying to appeal to the masses, you've got the cart before the horse. You need to be appealing to the elites, which again means you need money. Yeah, and even then on the other hand, you know, bringing up medic theory kind of reinforced a little bit what I was getting at before. Like start going to live your theories start living right. them out if if this theory doesn't work then like then it's a shit theory like 
So, and then also on top of that, it's like you want to be able to be like, hey, you know, we're, we're screeching about theory to the world, but then they're like in their head, you know, applying mimetic theory. It's like, but you, you're not doing it. Like, exactly. Why, why the fuck would I give a shit about what you're saying? Like, you're not even doing it. Like, what are, what are you doing? Like, and so there is some things that where like, once you start acting it out, you, you might get, and this is like, uh, I mean, I'd be talking to pre that, like I, I was in the military and one of the big things, one of the big focuses period of time when I was in is they really wanted to teach us process improvement for like my job. It really, and that is like one thing that like, you have to be the first person to start doing it. And like, once you start doing it, once you create a buy-in, you can create a, a change. All it takes is a handful of people to start doing something and if you just keep doing it i mean obviously there's some things that if you're working if utility if it's not something that's useful you're never gonna be able to probably get the buy-in but you, the first step is to do it and like and i know a lot of people go well we could do both and it's like yeah there's only 24 hours in a day so like sort of kind of not really i mean at, at best you you should be like 95 percent focusing on doing and like maybe five percent at best focusing on messaging and so, if like, the people who are the or who are the most visible are the ones who aren't doing it, then they're actually counterproductive. They're actually mm -hmm. making things worse because now people are going to associate whatever your theory is with the people who aren't doing it. Those are the ones who are going to are going to associate with it uh, or who are going to be associated with it the most. So if you have this is what I've said like the libertarian like from a sales and marketing perspective your call to action is the most important part of your sales letter, your sales page. At the at the bottom, you have to have a button that says click here to buy or it says buy now. You have to have that button there so that people know what to do because ultimately people are stupid. Like you have to tell them buy now and then they'll buy. So you have to have a coherent call to action. And if you're if you're if you're getting lots of traffic to your page, to your landing page, and they're going all the way down, but they aren't filling out the form at the bottom and hitting buy now. That means that your call to action throughout the whole thing, you you wrote your sales letter wrong. There's something wrong about it. And you have to, you, you don't just go like tell everyone, well, actually you see, this is actually a really good sales letter because you see it works like this, this, and then I did this thing here or whatever. So it's not their problem that your call to action sucks. So with the libertarian party going that route right now, what's the call to action? It's going to be join the LP. Uh, like that's that's the only coherent one that will make any sense. And the average person that that's talking about it isn't going to be Dave Smith. The average person that's talking about it to other people is going to be you know someone who's just like, oh you know I just I listen to Dave Smith you know and so so the, the that's going to be join the LP. So okay so now what you've reduced yourself to is join our political party. You're just like every you're just like the others. Let's just join our political party. And then the best part of it, they say, um, oh, well, we'll, it, um, we'll get all the, look at all these people. Like if none of the above voted for president, then um, they would win in a landslide. Look at all of these people who aren't invested in politics. They're all on our side. So we just have to get them involved in our movement. So now the secret is we have to get people who aren't involved in politics, involved in politics. And that's how we'll get everybody not involved in politics. Just the, the whole thing. I think you hit the nail on the head by identifying this as this is the fun functioning of the market. This is capitalism. If you have something to sell people, you go put it together and you put it in front of them in a way that they'll buy it. And if they aren't buying it, that's your problem. You have a, you, you have a defective product and you have to build a product that people will buy. So ultimately, libertarians are, I think that the take over the LP approach 
is people who feel desperate because they sense like the apocalypticness of the times. And they're like, no, we, we just have to go the fast way. You know, we don't have time to stay back and build and do all that stuff. We just need to take a shortcut. So ultimately it's some combination of desperation or laziness and they're trying to take a shortcut. But the problem is this shortcut won't lead you to the promised land. It's just going to lead you further away than you are now. Yeah. I think one thing too, the, the kind of touch on what we were going on there is I think even like looking at it from a product standpoint, not everyone's going to want your product, even if you have a good product. So that is another thing, like at least like, all right, uh, to, to look at it, like from a, you know, leaders within the, the LP or whatever, like if you look at Dave Smith, like I feel like he's more focusing on like a nationalistic approach, at least someone like Jeremy Kaufman, while he is using the LP, he's very much about having an insanely strong message. That way it's abundantly clear where we go. At. And at least he kind of has, for him, he kind of has a uh, you know um, an action point or whatever. A uh, he wants people to go use the free state. I mean, uh, of New Hampshire or whatever, or, or to become a part of it. I mean, I would more advocate creating those all over the nation. Like that's yes. more my my perspective is I would rather have something along those lines across the entire nation and you know kind of more decentralized type thing. You know, but I mean, at least he has that selling point, and it is like a. I feel like a lot of this is born out of this like nationalistic like we need to get everybody on board. And it's like, and I think this is weirdly kind of born out of, I, w- I want your opinion on the Ron Paul thing. Cause a lot of people always bring up Ron Paul and like, I feel like it's partly fallacious reasoning because people always go, look at Ron Paul, look at all the people he brought. And I'm not saying he didn't bring people over to this, this thinking, but it's also like, this is, I, I, there's gotta be some sort of fallacy and I'm just too dumb to think of it. But I feel like this is fallacious thinking. It just strikes me as fallacious thinking of like, well, you, do, you don't know time. Like, how do you know that if we just say I went back in the time stream and took baby Ron Paul and just snapped him up and he never existed. How do you know that there wouldn't be a similar amount of people, you know, along this thought space? Like, it's kind of the concept of the remnant. Like, how do you not know these are people that are already kind of friendly to these ideas? And that's just kind of what brought them over more. Like, and I'm not saying it's one way or the other. Like, maybe I am wrong. Maybe it's entirely it needed Ron Paul. But it is also like I, I don't know. I feel like it's just a I don't know. It's 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 a very <clears throat> certain way of thinking. It's a very absolutist way of thinking that like what w- what about Ron Paul? Like I, I don't know. Like I feel like you're also asserting that if there was no Ron Paul, that you wouldn't come this way. Like I feel like my, a lot of these thinkers were already kind of friendly to these ideas and were just looking for something to kind of push them that way. So I, I don't know if you, if you have thoughts similar to that or what. Yeah, people I've said before, I'm doing this obviously to be provocative, but I I have an explanation for it that the Ron Paul moment was a failure. It wasn't it wasn't something to be emulated. It was it was nice. I'm not saying that people weren't converted. I'm not saying that um it didn't make some people's lives better, but I'm saying that it was a political movement targeted at taking political power and they were outmaneuvered. They were outmaneuvered and they lost the campaign, both of them. So just judging on the basis of what it was, it was a failure. Now, if the goal was, was we're just going to pretend to try to take power, but we're actually not going to, and really our goal is just to start a revival, even then, we're here almost like a decade later having the exact same conversation that, oh, well, we need to try to get something and start a revival. There's, there's... you're not building on anything of substance. Even if you were to double the effect of the Ron Paul moon, even if you were to double the, the, the number of libertarians that come from it, you would still be dealing with a, a tiny, tiny minority. 
it, it's it, people. I think people can't conceptualize the number of people in the country or even the number of people in the country who are politically active. Like people, people can't really conceptualize that number of people. So they're just kind of, you know, they're like, wow, is you know, 5 million libertarians. That's a lot of people, you know, look what we have 5 million. And that's like a, that's a, a, a tiny fraction of the country. So if you're trying to, to, to go this democratic route where you're like, we're going to, we're, we're going to make it a numbers game where we're just trying to convince as many people as we can to try to reach some sort of critical mass tipping point and somehow shift the 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 uh, global culture, you're you you that's the long game. That's the really long game because you're going to like be going election cycle to election cycle, and the rest of the country is going to be moving on completely. You can't keep cultivating these same ideas every four years. You have to evolve. You have to move on to something else. You have to have something to direct people to. There, there isn't another alternative. If you want people to stop purchasing state services, if you want people to stop purchasing statecraft from the existing regime, and you want them to take on the social cost of being an opponent to the regime, you're going to have to offer a lot more than happy platitudes and people being able to pat themselves on the back because they know that taxation is theft. You're, you, there's got to be more to your message. So to me, I think that I love Ron Paul. I mean, Ron Paul is the reason that I'm here. I don't think that Ron Paul was unnecessary. Um, I think, I mean, obviously Ron Paul was inevitable. Like it, it's, it's, it, it happened. Um, it was always going to be part of the story. So the, the answer isn't we need to try to you know revive the thing that died in less than a decade you know we, we're going to try to revive it by also doing everything different the, the problem with ron paul wasn't that you know he didn't run in the lp or that you know the the problem with it is that the, the message just ultimately doesn't sell to enough people for them to be willing to fight that much for it and it's enough of a threat to the regime that they will angle to nip it in the bud no matter what. So you're, you're, you're attacking the regime on its face. You're attacking it straight into the, the head of its strongest defenses. So, you know, if you're, if you're hoping to like make this desperate charge and rally a bunch of people who are going to be inspired by your message and come join you to get nothing from it, it's just, that's never, it's, it's just never going to be a success. Yeah, no, I mean, I was just thinking what you're saying. Like, one of the things people say, too, is that, like, well, we're trying to, like, wake people up to opt to get them to opt out or to get them to be more akin to, like, agorism or whatever. But it's like, okay, but you say that, but then no one actually says that. Like, there's no, like, I mean, I know it's early, so it's, but there's no rhetoric about how, like, this is the goal. Or at the very least, you could be like, or maybe we're having a campaign to say, like, we're campaigning for you to not vote. Like, at least then that would be, like, consistent, right. sort of, like. But no, you're still asking for votes. You're still like, and, and, and it's still this like mix of like, oh, but, 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 but what we're still, we're still going to try to point people in this location, that location. It's like, you get how this isn't consistent. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, you're just putting more people. Like, I think it was um, Pete, I think I read his, I read his, one of his Substack articles this, this uh, like today. And he was, he was saying, uh, I forget what word he used, but I'll go with theory homos. Like we kind of <laughs> like, what we did is like, in some sense, Ron Paul created a ton of theory homos. Like, like these people are just stuck in theory. Like, and I don't know if that's a direct result of Ron or not, because he was kind of like, you know, putting out theory, but then like having no like action message. 
Like, so, you know, it kind of makes sense that we end up having a bunch of people that are more embroiled in theory and don't actually really do anything and are still sucked into this useless system. Because, I mean, how many, like, LP, like, involved individuals does that create? How many Andy Craigs, Nick Starwalks, whatever did that create? And a lot of people are like, well, look, it created Sally Mayweather, created Vin, Vin Armani, it created, created you, created Dave. But it's like, yeah, but for how many, for every one of those, how many other, like, of the, the, the idiots who don't even really understand it, who are just kind of like, if anything, are like a shit representation of what we are. Like, how many of those did it create? You know, like, I, and, and I'm not saying that, that, that Ron Paul is anything anyway negative. It's just, it's not, I, I feel like people throw Ron Paul at you as if it's some sort of like, because uh, it's a sacred cow. Like, right. it's, that's, that's what exactly it is. what it is. They, they're throwing a sacred cow at you. You're like, would you dare defile the sacred cow? And you're like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's exactly, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a very religious instinct. Yeah. That, that you know, you, you're, they they they're trying to use it as a trump card because you know nobody nobody can can criticize Ron Paul and that's part of the reason why I I I framed that tweet that way said the Ron Paul revolution was a failure because it's, I'm like I'm like fuck your sacred cows mm. we need to get to business here and it's and it's and and like that attitude for me is because it's like I feel like I care about this shit more than they do because I'm not I'm not getting wrapped up in a bunch of a, a bunch of goofy shit that that you know you guys are it's turning into this like mutual admiration society of of you know we're just going to keep telling ourselves that we're restarting the ron paul revolution and that you know that just makes us good and, and awesome and cool and everything which i mean speaking of of mimetic theory you know this this is just is that it's the theory playing itself out ultimately i mean this is the way that every every uh movement ever works it, it starts off with the theory and you, you have to conceive of the theory and then you have to bridge the, 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 from the theory into the practice. And this is kind of the, the there's a, the, the group of us on, on Twitter who have kind of, we called ourselves post-libertarian sort of, and we're, I don't think we're going to use that word much longer just because it just doesn't, it doesn't tell, it doesn't communicate the idea that we want it to, but basically our fundamental position is that libertarianism has no praxis. It doesn't have like, Become a libertarian so that you can. It's like the only thing that you can consistently plug in there is oppose the state. But now, okay, so now you haven't. You, your your ideology is just a, is a negative proposition. You aren't actually advocating for anything. And conquest second law is that any institution that's not explicitly right wing will eventually become left wing. So the libertarian party, because they do this, we're neither left nor right. They're going to inevitably become a left wing institution. So if you're going to want to try to unite with these people, there no, there's no way that they're going to unite with you if you're like, we're an explicitly right-wing organization. Libertarianism is explicitly right-wing. There's no way they're going to participate with that. So now you're left to having to fight with people like Nicholas Sarwark and Archie Flowers and and the Fakertarians and like all these jerk-offs that are, are they are like the, they're the epitome of bio-Leninism. If you know what bio-Leninism is, they, these are, these are, just completely pathetic people and you you're you're having to spend all like your time you're spending so much time having to like scrap around with them for what it's not like it's not like well if you beat nicholas sarwark you get to take over the gop you know that might make it worth it no you're just you're just scrapping for something that's not going to be of any 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 real value in the first place so it's like to me if i was reduced to the point where i have to start arguing with people like that where those those are people who i genuinely like have to take consideration of in what I'm doing, I, that that should be a signal that that I'm not doing whatever I should be doing. 
because the, whatever I should be doing isn't going to be involved with people like that. Yeah. Speaking of signals, I, I brought this up on Andrew's show. This is kind of a thought I've had, and I don't mean to come off as accusatory or anything, but it's a thing I've been thinking from for a while, and maybe you have some thoughts on it. But I find it very, very, very odd the way the attention, and you know, there may be some implications. It doesn't mean it's true or not. Um, I noticed, especially early on, and I was pushing the kind of conversation we're ha- we're having, you know, like that Vin's having or Sally Mayweather, like I've been pushing that conversation for a while, like, or trying to, to get, be like, Hey, this is a conversation that needs to be had on the big stage because they were super caught up with, you know, the Archie debates, the Andy Craig debates, the whatever, like dealing with those type of people, which, I mean, I understand it. They're trying to have this takeover. They're trying to clear people out, but it's like, you're focusing on the fucking nonsense when like, this is the real question. And like, this is what I feel like they should have been dealing with from the beginning. And it's like, you look at like, People like Archie, and you got a whole fucking debate on whether memes break the NAP. But then, what did we get in any sort of response from Vin or you guys? Just kind of a flipping, you know, sort of quickly dismissing it on Pete's show. Like, and don't get me wrong, he brought up some semi decent points. I, I just felt like it was just like it didn't really get to do. And it's kind of like, and every time I've heard, you know, him or others uh, that are higher up address these like whether it be agorism whether it be the the paleo route whatever like it's always just a quick dismissal like oh, uh, and that's it like they never take it seriously and it's like but why the hell are you taking seriously these silly ass discussions about like racism or or whatever like or entryism it's like the shit that most of us don't give a fuck about like I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just, that's just something I noticed. And it just frustrated me from the beginning. Like, why aren't we having these real conversations? It also seems to be like an inversion of how things should be because like, like these silly ass ideas that should be ridiculed and dismissed, like, you know, like the Archies, like the, the Andy Craig's, the, the Sarwalks, like aren't, they, they were taken seriously and sat down. But then on the, the flip side, the stuff that is like serious stuff that we should be able to be like adults and be like, Hey, let's have a the serious discussion about tactics, blah, blah, blah. Because you know what? Me like we like agree on like conclusions roughly. We just have a difference of, of opinion on tactics. So like this is a legit discussion to be at. But no, if anything, I've noticed more ire towards like stuff like that than towards the opposite. Like I, I don't know, especially among the people at the top, and, and more like a quick dismissal and not really trying to interact with them in any serious way. And maybe it's just a I don't know. Maybe it's just the people at the top got, got burnt out dealing with the retards and now they're having to deal with like the serious ones and they don't really want to do it. I, I don't know. I don't know what it just strikes me as odd. I don't know if you've had a similar thoughts. So I, I, yeah, I, I was <laughs> disappointed with how, um, how, how much the, uh, the easy way out was taken that it was, there was a, it was very easy to take that conversation and uh, pick some of the most uh, outlandish things from it and turn those into the entire conversation and then say, there, I dealt with it, then it would have been to actually engage on the substance. And I know a lot of people weren't happy about that. I mean, if you go read through the comments, there's a lot of people in there who are like, okay, so you didn't actually engage with the conversation. You didn't actually engage with anything they said. And I had a lot of people reach out to me too. And they said that they were, that that, that was a pretty big deal to them that they were expecting a, an actual engagement with our, with the ideas that we brought up and, and, you know, Dave never engaged with them. 
and you just kind of wrote them off. And I think that that's probably because, again, he's in campaign mode now. And he knows that he's not going to have to deal with the types of things we're talking about from anyone else. He knows that nobody of any sort of significant power or influence right now is going to bring that conversation to him. He's never going to have to deal with it. He's going to have to deal with Archie Flower for the rest of his life. He's going to have to deal with Nicholas Sarwark for the rest of his life. I don't know. I have a feeling these are going to fester. Because I've already, that's kind of what I've perceived so far. Like these questions, it's like post-libertarian aesthetic or whatever has been something. Oh, he's definitely going to, he's definitely going to have to confront it later. I'm saying from his perspective that he's in campaign mode. So he's like, I'm I'm not going to go on CNN and have to, to confront questions related to, you know, like near reactionary analysis of power or anything like that. So it's not. There's there to him with his goals. There's no benefit to actually engaging with it, um, apart from like because that's the route that he's chosen to go. So he needs to, you know, be respectful of his time and what he has the time to do and what's going to be the most generate the most value for him. And at this point now, he's not in try to hammer out the ideas stage anymore. He's like, I've figured out all the ideas, and now it's evangelism mode. So evangelism mode isn't when you debate ideas that nobody else is going to bring up. You know, you, you address the stuff that you're going to hear from everybody. Which is kind of what I was getting at. Like, I feel like it's an inverse. Like, it yeah. should have been the opposite. Like, these are the stuff that should have been dealt with in the beginning, while before in the early stages before the, their takeover or whatever. And then the silly, the silly fucks can be dealt with later. Like, right. Because the or not even dealt with. I am very much of the opinion that like, you know, shit like that, like those types just ignore or 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 ridicule like that's really it like they deserve no like they deserve no bit of your time like at all i just that's then that's part you you see there the working of why it is why conquest second law is true that that ultimately everyone is going to be a lot more focused on the left than they are to their right and so everything is just by force of energy everything is going to move in the direction where everyone is focused just, just, but just by naturally, like if, if, if our ideas can't even get the platform, then things definitely aren't going to move toward them. So this is, this is one of the engineering problems is that if you're wanting to, I mean, so basically baked into my, my, like my premise is that left is fundamentally evil and right is fundamentally good. And so you're, when you're trying to achieve liberty, you're trying to achieve absolute the absolute right wing. And to clarify, the left-right paradigm you're using is the one that like uh, Andrew uses from Popular Liberty, which is yes. like left being chaos and right being order. And right. And even then, like you brought up in your in your show, order not in the like the I don't know the way that sometimes people think in the in the rigid, unable to accommodate type way, in the way of order of but with flexibility type thing. Because if there is no flexibility in order, it's not really order. So exactly because it's like brittle. any any system there needs to be redundancy. Otherwise, it's a shit system. So right, you know, yeah, yeah. So, so it's so it's clear on that. So right, it's yeah. basically it's a condition where uh, uh, it's 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 a condition of emergent um, adaptiveness, and uh, which requires flexibility. And then uh, and and what the what the system ultimately is 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 um, based on contracts and property rights. So what you're wanting to say is that it's a system where every single property right and contract is respected 
and is or is enforced however you want to however you want to look at it and that so that's that's liberty like liberty is when it, it liberty isn't just like when the state isn't harassing you liberty is also when criminals aren't holding you hostage you, you know so the, everyone looks to the state but they don't it you if you care about the nap you're talking about any violation of it whether it's by organized banditry or disorganized banditry you have to be equally concerned with them so in a society with no order you get disorganized banditry and so then what you get with um with uh, andrew's theory with archotropism is that the the state basically pretends to be order and but actually is like a channel for chaos the the state is an organization that uh is is doesn't it it doesn't have borders on itself it's a network of individuals who are kind of operating according to their incentives and their incentives have led them into this network where they all kind of work together whether explicitly or implicitly and the incentives are to channel chaos in a controlled manner to give um to provide opportunities to expand their wealth and power and so they actually take the the, the whole system itself is designed it's anarcho tyranny it's anarcho tyranny exactly the whole the system itself is designed to provoke um a response to itself so that it can capitalize on that response. So when you oppose the system directly, you're actually participating in it. You are actually part of the function of how it grows its power. Attacking, this is why, so the LPMC is, is actually expanding the state by choosing to engage with it the way that they are. Yeah, Because now they're becoming the foil. People don't get that though, because I, I get irritated because people will always immediately like shift what I'm saying to be like, as if I'm saying that, like, oh, them being involved in politics grants legitimacy to the state. And it's like, okay, but it does, but it doesn't. Like, I get it. Technically, it doesn't. But in a certain sense, it, it's you engaging and building it up. It's the same shit as, like, you know, like, to, to bring it back to Dave. Like, how Dave has interacted with Archie. Like, Archie, I think, has something like 2,000 followers. Like, how many followers would he have if he had never interacted with Dave? I mean, and don't get me wrong. That's not a huge boost. 2,000 followers is not that many. But it's like, my, that's kind of like what I'm getting at. Like to some extent, you give it a little boost, like by giving it your time, giving it your effort, feeding into it. It's like, you're, you're, it's like this thing's been a, a system that's been created over centuries or millennia. So it's like you don't think it's taken into account people trying to fight it from inside of it. Like, you're this is a leviathan. You're not going to beat it from the inside. Like it's just, I I, I don't know. That, that just escapes me that people think that somehow we're just gonna utilize mob mentality to somehow fucking overthrow the state like, <laughs> like what <laughs> yeah. like, like people be like but pe i don't know that's one thing that irritates me people are like well if we just do this if we just do that i'm like okay i get that but are this only works out if you're like humans operate as automatons and do everything that i say in this given scenario because it's like you know mob mentality is going to kick in People are going to do what they're going to do. Like, you've got to think how masses are going to move. It's not going to move how you want them to most of the time. Exactly. So I, I don't know. Like, yeah, that's that's one thing. That people are like, oh, if we just do this, it's like, yeah, okay, but is that going to happen? <laughs> yeah, there's a reason they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. That's that's a perfect example of it. The system, it, it, it if, if you think in terms of, of, um, of evolution, like as they, like the act, like natural selection process where, uh, you know, the, it, it, the, like the birds who can fly faster 
survive because they get out of more um, dangerous situations. So the so the species naturally evolves to be a faster species. The it, that that type of of natural selection that process within the the system of the state this kind of ever evolving network of people who are all operating according to specific incentives it makes sense that eventually they would want to control how someone can oppose them it would make sense that they would naturally adapt and evolve to the point where uh they channel all of their opposition into something that they control and so but then it's even better because not only do they control it, but they now use that as an opportunity because the reason that a state exists in the first place is because there are people who would be opposed to a state existing. People create a state so that they can enforce their will on other people. That means that um, as soon as it has – that a state requires an other, it requires opposition for it to, to, to persist. If the opposition disappeared – there'd be no reason for the state to exist anymore. This is why organized crime and the state always become one and the same. Organized crime needs the state to exist to create a black market so they have their product. And the state needs organized crime to exist to provide the threat of violence so that people want the state. It's the same racket that that um, is turned into like, a, like an infinity loop together. And so when you oppose it, you are actually playing your role that has been assigned to you by the state. The state creates its own opponents for the purpose of expanding its power. And this is the principle of archotropism, like you had Andrew on and he talked about it. So if you want to, uh, opposing the state is, is ultimately then paradoxically counterproductive because opposing the state is build is growing the state. Yeah. So instead- I mean, the more successful you become, the more part of the state you become. So like right. that and like that's one thing that like always stuck with me with uh Konkin and in uh, NLM is that was one concept he goes into is he theorizes a very solid chance at some point that there's a that the LP becomes essentially just another wing of the state and essentially kind of becomes this like dying thing of the state to latch onto and it's almost like this like this uh, swan song or, or or siren song to the, to the, to us to be like oh come back here come back it sucks back in the you know because it's obviously this book is directed at agorists it sucks back in the agorists to be like hey hey this ain't so bad like you, you know come, come here come, come on and like so it's like it's kind of like dying siren song of the state that then just builds it back up and like I, I don't get how people don't understand like the more successful you are the more you are like the fucking maybe it's not duopoly maybe it's triopoly or whatever the hell you want to call it like but it's, it's how is this any different like how is this any different than if only we get good people in and we vote in good people we can fix the system right. <laughs> in in the fourth turning they talk about how it, um at the, the 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 crisis um in every fourth turning that's basically usually a total war they talk about how it uh it often involves the the permanent destruction of a political party one political party is gone um and and is well it's not that it's gone permanently necessarily because like one example is the the republicans just before the uh the new deal they uh they were uh defeated 1929 republicans were defeated by fdr and then uh basically the entire 20-year generation there was no was it maybe even because Eisenhower was the next Republican. So basically they went almost an entire generation with just Democrats in office. And the, 
so so typically what happens in a in a fourth turning crisis is that one party is is like suppressed for at least a generation and the, you you move to a one party rule for essentially about 20 years and and often one of that party that disappeared never comes back and it's replaced by a third party that moves into the role of the second party so i think that it's not completely out of the question that one of two things either a that what we just watched was the permanent or at least generational destruction of the Republican Party, and there's now going to be permanent Democrat rule for 20 years. And in the process, everyone is going to shift all of their focus and assets to the Libertarian Party because the GOP will become toxic. That's one possibility. It could be that the regime, if they're smart, then they would shift all of their focus to the Republican side. And they would get they would get their their money and interest and stuff behind a big Republican populist revival that would be like conservative ink essentially taking over with with some populism in it. And they win in 2024. The Democrats are permanently disposed of. And then you get the, the Republicans, and the libertarians going forward. Th those are those are plausible. But I think it should be obvious to someone hearing it that that's like there you've got the libertarians are now the second biggest biggest uh, political party in in a two party system that's fantastic right do you really think that you're going to be preaching anarcho capitalism in that circumstance you know that 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 it that the if the state has now pulled you into its into its quarters it's not because you're there to do something you want it's because you're there because the state wants you there. So yeah, there's I mean, there is no upside to this. Yeah, I mean, you look at the state of the party before there was even a lick of success, and now what's going to happen once there's success? Like, I, I, I don't know. And and like honestly, I my like I feel like the more successful the LPMC or like Dave is in this, the more the message they're going to get out of this is like I don't know, like the voting side of things, and like that we need to push to become more. And that just naturally pulls it right back to the the Gary Johnsons or whatever. To where like, well, look at his voting appeal, and it's like they're they're gonna always get the wrong message out of that. Because like, I yep. mean, to be fair, like if if assuming Dave does really well, the good message to get out it's like, hey, if we run someone who has like really good thoughts, you know, and uh, has really good theory or whatever, like we can keep this going. And like, you know, what? in theory, if that's how this worked, you know what? Maybe we can make a case how this is a beneficial thing. If if a Dave Smith presidency leads to, or not presidency, but like, cause that's, that's ridiculous. But like uh, a Dave Smith um, running for campaign leads to more people like Dave Smith running for campaign in other places or, or other, or, or running for president as well. Like, okay, there's a case to be made. Like, sure. If we can make a, a, a million Dave Smiths and run them all across the country. Sure. That, like that'd probably work out, but that's not the message that they're going to get out of a successful campaign. And right. I, I just feel like it's going to and also the energy of like people who are like, you know, quote unquote, good libertarians is going to die out and it's just going to go back to the old guard. And because ultimately they don't yeah. they don't have anything else to pull you into. Like they don't have a um, at least right now, they don't have a coherent like a path to power and path to using power pragmatically. And even if they did, I wouldn't trust them because they the, the LP will never say. We are a right-wing organization. They'll never never sanction that. That will not ever happen. So it's so even if the LP gets power, it's still going to be it's going to be Reason Magazine power. It's going to be Cato power. It's you know it's going to be Koch Brothers power. Like that's the power that they that it would have if it got to that point. 
And even like the, 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 the situation you suggested where you get a bunch of different Dave Smiths who are all running for office in other places. Okay. So they're going to have the same problem. What's the call to action? What are we, what are we doing? Where are we going? Because if, if you're running as an anarcho-capitalist, then you don't have anything to call them to. The, the, the libertarian message is like, you, you'll ask these people and they'll say, I'm not, that's actually the, the feature of it. I don't know what to do. You know, everyone, that's for everyone else to decide for themselves. That's communism where everybody is just going to decide for themselves. You get communism. I, I said the other day that libertarianism and communism um, the, are only different in theory. In practice, they both turn out the same. When you when you apply a a, a uh, uh, the when you, if you were to just snap your fingers and make the society all libertarian government, you would wind up with communism because oh, well, that's the nature like of a, how people a dissolution are. of the, the of the state, like like a right. snap of the finger. Yeah, I yes. mean, there is some case to be made that like you know the the Rothbard button that it wouldn't naturally because you you still have that inbuilt you know you know like a drawn towards authority or man authority because i know you're religious so like authority of man ruling over you or whatever so like you you aren't getting rid of that like if you magically just make the state disappear you didn't really get rid of it really the key is to you know get humanity to dispel their what's the word i'm looking for the the, the illusion of authority or, or undue authority coercive authority so like uh because there are different types of authority like there's like there's like, you know, you're an authority in your field or there, I mean, but when mm -hmm. we say authority, we're usually referring to coercive authority. So, um, you know, or have the one authority because I know you're like, you're religious. So that's, and a lot of people say to have an, a higher authority, which whatever, I'll take that. I don't care. I mean, I, I'm an atheist. So like, but I, I, I'm not at all against utilizing religion. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's to me, to me, the, uh, the, the, the angle is, um, because you're never going to talk people into, you're never going to talk people out of liking authority or responding to authority. Cause like, even if you, you might get a whole bunch of people who are all like, Oh yeah, fuck authority down with the authority. And then it's like, okay, so what are we going to do next? Fall behind this authority. You know, they're going to fall in line behind this authority. Like that's just how they're naturally going to act. Cause that's how yeah. humans naturally are. Well, that's naturally why I say are. coercive authority. I feel like right. it's, a, it's an important distinction. Cause so, so the way yeah. to the way then to, it doesn't matter what system you build. You're going to have this problem of coerc coercive authority. So rather than trying to talk people out of opting for it, solve this as an engineering problem. Yeah. Create a system where it's more where where um it's more profitable to be engaged in benevolent authority than it is to be engaged in coercive authority, or where the coercive authority is incentivized to be good. Because obviously I would take no coercive authority. But if that's not on the table, then I'll take better coercive yeah, authority. I'll take you know, like all day, every day. Take yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you 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 take what what you can get, what's what's feasible, and you may have to you know move your move your way along you know step by step. But it, uh, this is an engineering problem, and and it, to engineer it correctly, you have to have an understanding of the human psychology. You have to understand how people make decisions. So ultimately, you're this isn't a isn't ultimately going to be an evangelistic process. That's what I as long as people are thinking of this in terms of we need to talk people into being libertarians, you're not focused on the right area. What you need to be doing is, is, is building and creating the technologies that will incentivize people to act like libertarians. Yes. Get no, those yeah. technologies put together. And, 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 and that's essentially, that's kind of the premise behind Bitcoin. 
That's the premise behind between behind uh, uh, the the whole blockchain technology to begin with, which I'm going to be taking uh, Bitcoin Mystery School that that uh, that Cyprian puts on. Uh, real quick, I just want to say this, just so people know, when he changed his name, he's not the one who did it. This is an Orthodox Christianity thing. He was baptized, and part of being baptized is that the the it's I, I think it's your spiritual father or the person who baptized you or something like that. They give you a name, a name of your patron saint. And you take that name on as a, as a as a symbol of having transitioned through that point. So people are 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 talking about it like this is something that he just did as a branding thing, and it's not. It's 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 part of the Orthodox Christianity thing. But okay, so I that was aside. just thinking in my head the uh, the whole Toba Toby Kuntai Kentai bit from Roots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that came to mind while you were saying that, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, That's yeah. funny, yeah. It's a pretty baller name, though. I mean, I don't know about phonetically if I'm a fan of it, but the story behind it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. Yeah, and if you if you if you read like about Orthodox Christianity, you'll encounter that. Like, lots of different people um, go by the name of whoever their saint was and their saint because um, they they like this has been crazy for me. I was raised as a Christian, and what I am coming to understand now is not at all what I grew up to understand. It's a completely different thing. I grew up Protestant. And this is a just a, a completely different world. It's it's not even remotely the same in the majority of ways as as what I. But it makes complete sense, and it and it incorporates a lot of stuff that that um, I've come to believe since kind of drifting away from the church I grew up in. It incorporates that and has an explanation for it, and the stuff that the church I grew up in just didn't. And so, um, so to me, it's it's like. I'm interested in stuff that provides me answers that seem coherent and stuff that makes me think stuff that uh, kind of puts the puzzle pieces together. And right now that's the thing that, that seems to be the most coherent to me. That's the thing that I've, I've uh, you know, that, that that's providing the most answers for me right now. And it's possible that eventually I'll, you know, I go in phases, I have fads and stuff that I get into and I just fall, I get, I, go completely balls deep in something for a while and then I'll drift away from it and get into it's something else. And <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, to, to, to shift, shift gears a little bit, what is King pill? That's the name of your name of your show. I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but I figured, uh, for the, the benefit of the listeners, they probably might like it. So it's, it's, there. there's a, there's kind of a double, a double meaning with it. And really I need to, like, it seems like kind of the obvious thing that you would give like a really um, you'd come up with like a really concise answer that you just, but yeah, I, I don't do anything concise. So, um, it's we, Stephen and I, as we were as we were talking about the different ideas and stuff, what we what we started with was Moldbug. I was I was reading Moldbug. I was going through a lot of Moldbug stuff, and um, he and I, Stephen and I, just started kind of talking about politics, and 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 I was like, well, have you read this Moldbug guy? And I sent him like a couple of links and he read them and he was like, holy fucking shit. Like this is, this is insane. We're giving me more. And so I, uh, so I went and you know, I gave him more. And so we, we started f following a number of different, different channels and stuff related to monarchy in general. And we became fully persuaded that this, that, that monarchy is the most natural human governing arrangement that, that it, it we're, we are hardwired for it. It's just it's baked into us psychologically, and and this is like from a from a like a Jordan Peterson dominance hierarchies perspective that you're you're inevitably going to get the 
the the guy who dominated the dominance hierarchies of all dominance hierarchies. It's a, and, it's a mirror of ANCAP too, and, and, but at yes. a different scale. So you know, exactly, like, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's yeah, yeah. So I mean, like if you if you took a like ANCAPistan and you think of how like how it would go how people would govern themselves if left to their own devices, eventually you're going to have one guy who owns a shit ton of property and everybody else lives in that area and they rent property from him. And he has basically absolute authority because it's his property. That's, I mean, that's a monarchy. A monarchy yeah. is a, is private government. It's privately owned government. Um, so, so we were fully persuaded that direction, but then at the same time, I was also starting to kind of do this, this Orthodox Christianity thing. And, and, and before that, even I was kind of having a, uh, uh, there's this whole trad thing that's going on where people are kind of like like rehabilitating traditional values. And that's just appealed to me. And I kind of was like, I kind of had a soft spot for it. So I was following accounts that were related to that. And that kind of prepped me for starting to kind of get back into studying Christianity from a different perspective than I had before. And so I was like, well, you got Christ as king, and then you got this monarchy thing. So, and And really the answer to all of this, I think, is that people are like, well, what should I do? If I'm not going to get into politics, well, what should I do? My answer is become the king of your own world. Treat yourself as if you are the monarch of your of your world and and act accordingly because ultimately th that monarchy relationship is fractal. You know, you've got the the father the, the son to his father and then the father to uh you know his the, the father to his mayor, the mayor to his pre to his governor, governor the pre to president. You get that fractal relationship there. So if if like and Kapistan is where every single person has behaved as a king over his own property and the king of the kings is going to be the monarch and then ultimately you have the heavenly king of kings so so it was playing with those ideas is where um he said like one day Stephen goes uh you know we really need to get this get this started um so we can we could start making like the autists re or something like that <laughs> and uh and i said i said we need to start king we need to king pill these mofos or or something, and 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 I was like, oh, King Pilled. Oh, that'd be a perfect podcast title, and that's that's where it was born. Yeah, that's a pretty good title. Yeah, I I, I struggled for a while with my name, and I was a silly silly shit I have now, but whatever. Uh, I, I it think it's, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it rhymes. So, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I wanted to go with a rhyme or an alliteration from the beginning because it is like the the whole like appeal to to people, and like I know rhymes and alliterations very much stick in people's heads, so that's like mm -hmm. what you want. So. Or like something simplistic, like a one-word thing, like kingpilled. There was something yeah. that's unique that works as well. But I didn't really have anything that like that encapsulated all of it. Um, one thing I kind of want to shift because like everything I've listened to you, and it really threw me off because I listened to your episode with Pete, and you kind of for a minute I don't know if I necessarily say you trounced, but you kind of a little bit uh, poked at agorism. But then like I don't think I've ever heard you say anything that I find inconsistent with agorism aside from maybe any like uh, lobbyist type stuff. And even then I don't really like, I, I don't care. Like I actually like whether that's consistent with agorism or not, I don't care because uh, agorism is just a label. That's just an, uh, the most accurate way to describe my system of beliefs, but it um, doesn't mean I'm like tied to it. I have no problem with that. Like if you have the money and you like are able to buy a lobbyist to, you know, influence a bill one way or the other, like, I mean, the, the lobbyist is going to be involved one way or the other. Like, it's not it's not the same as, like, do I vote or do I not? Because voting feeds into the system. I don't know if paying a lobbyist necessarily – I mean, I guess you can make a case it feeds into the system, but at least it's in, like, an effective form of voting. Whereas, like, right. one, one of my main arguments against voting is, like, people are like, well, you know, don't, don't you want to vote? Because, like, you know, what if this happens or that happens? It's like, 
as if your vote makes a difference. <laughs> 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 so, at least with lobbying, you're like, well, it's effective. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really, really big vote. Yeah. So my, yeah. my question is, so like, in what way is anything you're advocating really in any way different from Agra? It's just a different, to me, it just seems like a different way of selling it. So, so it's funny. I, um, <laughs> my understanding of agorism, apparently, apparently I had a flawed understanding of agorism and, and, and it was, it was Cyprian who, who okay. corrected me. He was, so my understanding of agorism had basically been that it was just like principled non-participation in the political system on any level. And I was like, and so that to me, I was like, okay, well, that's fine. Like you can, if that's you, then sh sure. Okay. That can be you. But to me, I think that 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 ultimately, once I understood how human beings arrange themselves and that you're always going to have leaders that are naturally going to rise to the top, the 10% are always going to lead the 90%, then the state is just an organization that has leaders in it. And it happens to be an organization that leads a lot of leaders. So if you were to say, I'm not going to participate in the system at, at all whatsoever, what you're saying is the the the, the leaders who lead the leaders should be dominated by people who are of ill and of ill of ill intent. So basically, like it, there should only be bad leaders. Like you know, I, we shouldn't have people who would be good leaders getting involved in the system because everyone should just not participate in it. That was my understanding of agorism. I mean, and it's sort of true, sort of not. It's, I mean, from what I've heard, I mean. I don't know, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so, so, so I did uh, like a my own live stream on on Kingpill the day I think after the Liberty Lockdown interview, and I, um, I, 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 I like kind of talked through basically my whole position, my premise of everything, and 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 just kind of talked my way through all of it, and I was talking about this that like my position, I'm not like principally opposed to getting involved in politics. My position is if you're going to get involved in politics, do it in a way that's effective. Do it in a way that actually changes something. And that means you need to be operating from a position of means. You need to have wealth. You need to have power. You need to be, if you're going to participate in the political system, you need to do it with circumspection and do it in ways that both that protect you. But, but like ultimately, it all comes down to you need to have provided for yourself first. You need to make yourself successful and wealthy independent of the system so that you can navigate no matter what happens to the system. Once you've attained that level, you it's like you've earned the right to participate in politics, and then you can sit at the big boy's table. You don't need to play around in the little kid's sandbox with electoral politics. You can sit at the big kid's table, and you can actually influence lobbyists. And then you're using your, your wealth to incentivize good leadership, essentially. So that I, I like talked that out that that was my position. And then Cyprian emailed or, or messaged me right after that. And he said, everything that you said tonight is entirely consistent with the book from um, Konkin that that uh, describes agorism. He says, everything that you said tonight is completely consistent with that. And I was like, well, I, I mean, didn't realize I that. So I, I mean, like I'm thinking through and I mean, like, I feel like Konkin may not be too friendly to it, but like, you know, I feel like it's fair to interpret it through that lens since Konkin's who created it. So like, uh, although like I'm saying, I'm not trying to make some sort of appeal that if Konkin was not okay with it, that I would have any issue with it. I just use it as a label because it's the easiest way to describe my my thoughts. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, and even then, even if Konkin was against it, I mean, it's kind of like that makes sense. I mean, I I, I don't know. Like, I, I would highly suggest you read it. They're both really easy reads, and I, there's so much that there's so much of what you're saying that like is essentially just agorism in a different way, and you're selling mm. it. 
different way. And it's that's kind of one thing I was talking to Andrew about recently is that like I just been and Andrew brought up as well that like he's kind of like, implies something. Like, and it, honestly, I feel like this is a lot, kind of partially what this aesthetic of the post-libertarian thing is, is that we're getting so many people coming to insanely similar positions, but from very different ways. Yeah. Um, so, like, and I think there's something there, because, like, what, like, well, I've already had multiple people say that, like, a lot of shit you've been saying is stuff I've been saying, but obviously in a different way. And I come from it from a different line of thinking. I'm, I obviously have a different way of selling it. I'm, I'm an atheist. I'm a fucking uh, agorist. Like, I, I'm more like ANCAP, like. I, I like so but you're coming from like the religious like mole bug like like type and we're kind of coming to very similar type stuff and like so i just think there is really something there and it's not something to be scoffed at like i yep. feel like once you get you see like a bunch of people coming to a similar conclusion using different logic that kind of starts to make you think like well maybe like there's, there's a reason for that <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And that's why when when the fact that Dave didn't really engage with it at all, um, it didn't, it it didn't upset me, except for in the sense that like I was disappointed because mm -hmm. I know that, I know that he's better than that. Like I know that 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 he, the the reason that I I've engaged with him in the in, in this at all, like because for a while on Kingpill before anybody else was really watching, we we brought him up a lot because Stephen and I were both we kind of felt like we were the only ones who were really paying attention to this, really thinking these things, but we were like recognizing all the stuff we've been talking about tonight. And we were, you know, we were trying to talk about that. And so we would bring up Dave and, and, and I was, I was harsh to him. You know, I, I had some harsh criticisms cause I was exasperated. I was like, you know, it sounds to me like he stopped reading. Like he's not still like everybody who got I to the point. Of I remember that in the inner circle, by the way, I, me I remember that when that was a big point of discussion, but <laughs> sorry, not to I, I didn't that. Oh, so I wasn't, I don't know oh, okay. if I was in the inner circle then, or oh. was that on the Facebook group? Yes, that was the Facebook group. I remember that was the thing where he got accused of that. And I remember Steven was very much in the mix of a lot of that. So interesting. Okay. I was, <laughs> yeah. I sort of followed it here and there, but I wasn't connected to it real, real close. I just, I, like I, everybody who got to the point of ANCAP did it by reading essentially. Um, there's very few people that are just kind of naturally wound up there culturally. Um, and, and those who did are, are typically lefties. The people who got to like the right wing Rothbardian, Hoppian, anarcho-capitalism, they did that by reading and by reading a lot. Typically, typically you didn't just like pick up democracy that got the failed one day or for a new liberty or something like that. You read, maybe you read Ron Paul and then you read Tom Woods and then you can you kind of gradually, you know, edged your way down the, down the path. And I can tell now when people got to that point and just stopped and put down roots. It's like they were on a bus and they hopped off the bus and they pitched a tent and, you know, pulled out their camp chairs and they just been making some fires and fishing in the river and just kind of hanging out here. And it's like, you got to keep going. Like you got to get back on the bus and keep going. And, and so I see that in, in, in Dave. And I'm like, I, I started talking about this stuff because I, I was like, I, I just have to get it out somehow. And I will, I want him to keep going. Like I, I want him, I, I saw him doing it for a little while. You know, he kind of started when he, he totally changed his position on abortion, like around the time that his, his daughter was born and, and all that. And I saw that kind of starting to happen again. It's like, he'd camped out for a little while and then he started going. And then this presidential it's thing. When it becomes personal. Happen. That's, yeah. that's, that's the thing, whether negative or positive, it's once it becomes in any way, it's something that actually has to do with you as a person. It's a way easier to shift your thoughts when it has no meaningful. Cause like, 
I'm not gonna lie. If someone like there is something to like if someone came at me because I've I've done seventy plus episodes of this podcast now, and I'm very well known for my my not I me mean, not well known. I'm not very well known, but fairly well known for my line of thinking. So if someone questions that and and say I'm wrong, there is some in inbuilt bias to not want to accept that, and I feel like there's that very much applies to. And that doesn't mean they're in any way being dishonest because you're the, the the mind is a tricky thing. So like while you can be like, it's not that you're like deviously being like I will not be convinced because I am right and you know like even if I know I'm right or I'm wrong you know I I have my selfish reasons for whatever. It's, that's usually not how it works. Like everyone's a hero of their own story. Usually you're like you find ways to quickly dismiss it. Like and the whole point I'm getting at is like if if Dave was to like dismiss our ideas, not dismiss them, but to critique our ideas but in a way that i was like oh okay he's right or in like a way they actually engage with them i could be like i'd be like okay you know like there's a little bit of an inbuilt bias where maybe it'd be hard for me to swallow but like i don't know i I guess i don't know i kind of lost myself there but but yeah i mean like i don't know (laughs) i i the the reason i kind of started doing all this is because i wanted to i wanted to get these ideas out there and start creating some kind of a some kind of a buzz just, just to get other people talking about it. I, I've said many times, I don't have the answers to a lot of these things. I've just, I've discovered new questions and I don't hear anybody talking about and like addressing these, these questions or they're not addressing them satisfactorily. So it's like, I want to get, I want to get all the best minds on it. You know, it's like, Hey, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to appeal to the people who are most likely to be good minds. Mm-hmm. That's why I, you know, I do stuff that's provocative, like the, you know, the Ron Paul revolution was a failure or like, Stop being poor. Like I, I'm doing those things deliberately because I want to filter out the type of people who are just going to mindlessly oppose it for the same reason that minarchists mindly, mindlessly oppose anarchy or for the reason that conservatives mindlessly oppose minarchy. Or, you know, it's like it's, it's the exact same dynamic. It's just people mindlessly opposing whatever is right to or whatever is right of them. And so I'm like, my goal has been to try to... I, I I, I want to engage with Dave on this. I don't care if he talks to me personally or if he just talks to somebody about these ideas and actually engages with them in good faith and addresses them because I don't I don't think that that they can just be waved away. And I mean the reason why it didn't bother me that much apart from just being disappointed in him when he didn't didn't actually engage with them is because I know that it's gonna come up. Like I know that this is going somewhere. Cause like you yeah. said, all these people are all reasoning to the same point and they're all doing it at the same time. And there's enough of us now that are that are like collectively or individually, each of these of like, you know, you and me and uh, Popular Liberty and Counterflow and um, Adam Patrick and um, even Pete, like all of us together, our audiences collectively aren't that large. But the when you get a little network of people who are quote unquote influencers who are all thinking and talking about the same thing, even if it's relatively small, it's going to have staying power. It's going to hang around and, and it's going to percolate and people are going to keep chewing on these things. So I, you know, I, it's it's kind of funny. He, the day of, or the day before the Liberty lockdown interview, Dave actually followed me on Twitter and, and just DM'd me out of nowhere. And he said that he was listening to my conversation with Pete. And he was like, um, I just want to say that was like an awesome conversation with Pete. And I was like, thanks man. And, and he said, uh, he said, like, I really like the way your mind works. And obviously we don't agree on some stuff, but I think that it's really, it's really interesting. And I, I, I thanked him. And I said, I, I told him that 
um, that I kind of felt like I needed to get it off my chest that I kind of felt guilty that I'd been, when he wasn't paying attention to me, I'd been pretty harsh to him. I'd, I'd, I'd had some really harsh criticisms. And his response was, was don't even worry about it. You know, I totally understand harsh criticisms don't bother me. And, and I, and I said, would you, would you be willing to come on to the, on the podcast and talk about this? And he was like, absolutely. I think it'd be a really interesting conversation. And then the Liberty lockdown interview happened. And then his response was, oh, he's just in it for clout. You know, it's sophistry. And it's like, huh, that wasn't the case the day before that when, yeah. you know, it was, I have a really interesting, you know, like, you like the way that I think, and these are all really interesting ideas and it'd be really interesting to talk about. Now, suddenly it's all just sophistry and I'm just in it for clout. Okay. I, 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 I see I will, where it's going. I will be clear. Just, and I actually brought this up on my break the cycle appearance. I brought up that there is, I think you and Vin both have a manner of delivery of delivery. And I will say like me and you, I didn't get that vibe here, but like in you and Vin, I don't know if just Vin brings it out of you where it kind of brings you more to the religious, more esoteric realm. And that's I, what I said on break the cycle is when you listen to you guys, because there are things that you guys say that I disagree with, but it's more on the margins. There's still a lot that you guys are pointing to them. Like, okay, it's just some of the delivery or the logic that you guys have used. I, I have maybe have some minor critiques here and there, but I can't even recall anything off the top of my head at this very moment. But anyways, like uh, what I said is that like, you just got to be careful with people who talk like this, like you and Vin. And when you get this like esoteric type talking or, you know, kind of like skin to like the Jordan Peterson type stuff where you talk about like, you know, archetypes or this or that, and like kind of get into the airy fairy type area, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that. Those there are interesting discussions to be had there, but it's like, you got to very much focus on what are they saying? And so I think that was what, Dave pulled out of that, but it's like, but my point is like, but what were they saying? Like, I'm just saying you got to be clear and not get lost in the flowery language and and see what they're saying. I'm not saying what they're saying has no credence. It's just, I I can see how someone would get lost in that Mm because sometimes I I do the same thing. Like if I hear people talking in that manner, a lot of times I'll just instantly dismiss it because it just comes off as like, it's like when, it's like when your wife's telling a story and you're like, (laughs) get the fucking point. Like what, 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 what did Sally do? (laughs) I don't need all these adjectives. Like, and so it's that same thing. And I I have that feeling too, where I'll sometimes like instantly dismiss that. But, and I feel like a lot of people have those same things. And Dave's a very smart guy and he's very much like brass tacks. So I could see how you would throw it off like that. I will say though, I, I was very thrown off by his critique of you specifically. I understand him feeling jilted by Vin. I really get our Cyprian or whatever. Yep. I really get him feeling jilted because I can understand how you'd be like Vin smart enough. He, he chose his words. Like, I know you can say that like Vin didn't like mean it in a malicious manner, or he didn't mean it to say that Dave was any way being malevolent. Like he was more saying in effect, but like the way he worded it, it was, I I, I think it's, it's pretty obvious. To, I haven't talked to Vin about this, but it's, it's yeah. pretty obvious to me that he, that he has, it, it i it seems undeniable to me that he has hard feelings against dave for something and yeah. i i think that not to speak for him if if i was just to throw a dart at something and guess it would be because um he sees the turn that dave is making he sees this kind of um like i think that he's that he he's right that he couldn't not be right to, that for dave to be in the situation that he's in he's going to have stars in his eyes that's 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 the entire nature of the thing is that you get to that point and you're not going to evaluate this rationally. You can't, you can't. You have to have people who are holding you accountable because every single person who got into that position would start 
drinking their own Kool-Aid. You know, they would start feeling themselves and they're like, yeah, you know, they're, they're like thinking about like all the success and everything that they're going to have. And, it, and it's good. Like he needs to have that success. He needs to be a famous household name who's spitting that hot Liberty fire. Like the, the world needs that. But th that's not the angle that he's taking. The angle that he's taking will take that away from the world to a, de to a degree because it's going to mix it. Like you said, you're, you know, the medium is the message. When you mix that message with that medium, it's going to be different. When you're the comedian, the podcaster, the guy who's just like a shit talker, you know, who, and he kind of has that, like you said, um, uh, the way you described yourself is, I don't know if, if, if YouTube will, will, will bleep the, the R or will, will mess you up with the R word. When you said you're a retard who reads books, like <laughs> that's Dave's vibe kind of, he's kind of like, you know, I'm just kind of this like, you know, like, like jerk off kid who is like, I just tell jokes and I read books and, but the stuff that he reads is like super, super like heady, smart Murray Rothbard and all this kind of stuff. So that's kind of his, he has that vibe, but you, you can't retain that vibe through a, a, a presidential campaign. You may think that you can, and some people may do it better than others, but the, the medium corrupts the message ultimately. And so, so like, I understand, like, I think, I think it's probably, it's, I think Vin probably sees that happening in him. And, and, and it's, um, it's like Vin has like contempt for that or something that seemed pretty clear to me. And that or, that or he and just I, can't take a joke. Cause there was some back and forth on Twitter. I don't know Vin personally. I don't know how he was raised. I know I was very much like raised in like sports and I'd call my homie a faggot and then he'd slap me <laughs> in the balls and like, we just moved on. Like, like it, it wasn't an issue. So I don't know how Vin is cause there was some like back and forth between him and Dave, but it very much was like kind of that type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe not the implied like jokery as it would be with like a best friend, but that kind of like playground locker room boys will be boys type stuff. There was a bit of that. And I don't know if he just felt jilted from that. Cause there are some people that just don't have the type of upbringing and don't deal with that. And like, he seemed, he seemed like he was coming with the sauce even before that. Like, so it was yeah, like, it was true. like he was upset by something before that. So, um, and I mean, it's, if he, if he's upset at Dave for something, he has the, the right to be upset at him. Yeah. And, but I just, I, uh, um, I, I just get why he's jilted by right, Vin. Right. Or, or Absolutely. Why he would feel jilted. Yeah. But although there is a defense to be had for Vin in that, because he never technically said anything that ascribed ill will. You can just say the words he used implied things. Yeah. So that's yeah, yeah. Like you have to understand when you're, when you, when you say that someone's a predator, like you can, you can walk that back and you can qualify it, but it's going to like, I, I, if I was Dave, I would have taken that personally as well. Mm. And I think I think at the same time, I think the point that, that that Vin was making was apt, which is that and I kind of tried to reframe it to to make it be a little more accurate, which is that Dave is the role that Dave is stepping into is to use the airy fairy language. He's embodying that archetype, the archetype that is predatory. And and that's not like that's not saying anything like we know that that's the politician's role. The politician is is fundamentally a predatory archetype. So that means that if you're going to if you're going to do that. Predation isn't necessarily a bad thing. You just need to be honest about it and you need to be upfront and not telling yourself I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart. You know, like that's it's you have to be upfront and be honest about what you're doing. So um, but like I wouldn't expect that conversation to go over well. Like there's no way I wouldn't expect it to. I think that by the time you're willing to have that conversation like that in public, you're already writing off the fact that the that like I'm sure that then Tiprian expected Dave to to take it the way he did. And um and and he was, you know, he was he was in for it already at that point. 
Um, and so I don't, I don't hold it against Dave that he took that personally. I think that that's probably reasonable to take it personally. But I will be honest. I did hold it against him a little bit in the, the way he, he reacted towards you. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he, he very much lumped you in. And mm-hmm. like, I, I, I didn't get that vibe at all. I don't know what's in your heart, obviously, but nothing that I heard really was anything that would do that. And like, I get if you don't, I don't know. I really have to do some like do some mental gymnastics to be able to to justify it for Dave why he would do that because I don't want to say he was in any way dishonest and why he did that and 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 lumped you in like that. But at the same time, it's like I don't I don't really get how someone can watch all of those and get that from things you said. I I, I just don't like to me. Just as someone who has a critique of what I said, if anything, you seem very measured in your language. And you even seem to try to walk Vin back a couple, a little bit here and there. So like, I don't really get how you come out of that. So that whether that's legit or not, but it really is like, why are you now not wanting to like, is there something you heard that you're concerned about? Like, I, I mean, I'm not saying that's the case, but it just doesn't make sense to me. I just feel like the only way I can really explain that is if he really didn't do his homework, like, Hmm. which would have been really weird to be like, I'm going to go do an episode without actually reviewing it and actually taking it seriously. (laughs) That's the only way I can make it make sense in my head that he would, he would come to the conclusion he came with, with you. I I really, it's either he's being dishonest or he is in some way ignorant. That's the only way I can think of. I mean, I have a hard time finding a way that he did his homework and gets that impression. I, I just, in not being in like, he's scared of some conclusions you've come to or something. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't get how he gets that you guys are going for clout or whatever. I get that you do sometimes a little bit, but not even like Vin are a little bit more inflammatory with your language, which I'm very much guilty of that just in a different way. Like, I mean, that's just, that's just the nature of the game. And, yeah. and it's a little funny that that would be the criticism that we're just in it for the clout when like, that's literally the purpose of his presidential campaign run is it's, it's literally for the clout. And it's like, like for me, yeah, I want the clout. Like I want clout because the more clout that I get, the more people will hear what I have to say and I'll get it in front of the right people. Because ultimately my goal, I, I've had people say, well, you're trying to do the same thing. No, no, no. I'm not trying to generate a popular movement. I'm trying to get a te- get the attention of the right people. And I explicitly want to drive away the wrong people. People who don't get what I, I've told this, I've said this before on my show. I said, when when you share this show with someone, don't just share it with anyone. Share it with someone who you think will enjoy it. Don't share it with someone who won't like it because like, I'm trying to create an echo chamber. I want to create a network of people who are all trying to solve these problems. I want people figuring out what is the libertarian praxis and how can we build the technologies necessary to scale that. That's the problem that, that I want to solve. And I don't want to do that with just, I don't want just anybody in there. I want high quality people who are smarter than me who can solve these problems. So, so my I'm not in this like try to make my message appeal to a to a popular audience thing. Um, so, and 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 that by definition is basically the 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 whole reason why you would do a, a, a presidential campaign is because you're trying to like I don't even if you're going to go into the LPMC and your goal is to try to change things at a local level, the last thing that you want is a really loud national campaign. Because the the benefit of the local level is nobody's paying attention there, and it's easy. But if you do this really big, loud national campaign and you get libertarians on everyone's radar, now you're going to have a much more difficult time sneaking through libertarian candidates here and there. You've just made, given yourself more of a more of an obstacle to go through. 
So yeah, it just it this is one thing too. I think tomorrow on the on the the episode of King Pilled with Steven, we're gonna kind of do like one last response to this. And then and then after talking to you and after talking to them, I don't feel any reason to any reason to 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 belabor this anymore because I'm mm-hmm. like my interest fundamentally, ultimately, is the actual subjects, the actual issues of stuff we're talking about, mimetic theory and 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 all that kind of stuff. So um, but I think that uh, I guess so. I think we're going to do a do an episode tomorrow where we where we kind of go into it and 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 kind of wrap it all up. And one thing I've noticed that I want to clarify in that episode is that I have criticisms. You probably kind of heard it tonight that I have criticisms at, at every level of the process. It's like from the very beginning, I have a criticism. Then it's like okay, but then grant you this point, still I still have this problem. Grant you that point, still I still have this problem. And so in talking with people about it. I think sometimes I, I know that people get the impression that I'm just moving the moving the goalposts and I'm not moving the goalposts. It's that each one of these successively is an argument against, you know, I, I have it's like I have an, an answer at every point. So um, I, I think we're, we're just going to break that down and, and, and then resolve this issue and 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 uh, get back to talking about weird arcane philosophy. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, oh, speaking of which, I'll, I'll throw it out here. So I don't know if you've read Anarchist Handbook yet. I'm Mm-mm. getting ready to probably do a, I don't know if you know the premise. It's like Malice's book where yeah. he, every chapter is a different anarchist thinker. So I don't know. I'm about to start doing that here soon. I'm going to start doing a podcast series with it and do like, you know, just kind of a, a conversation about each one with different people for different thinkers. So I don't know if there's any, like if you have your pet anarchist thinker that you're like, oh, cool, he's in there. Cause I just throw it out there because I've already got a couple people in mind, so I'm just throwing it out there while we're, ta- yeah, we're I'll, talking. Yeah, I'll buy it and read it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you know, I'm I'm enjoying it. It's a really great. I'm doing uh on Friday. I'm going doing Sterner with Magnus Panvidia. So nice. Which I don't know if you've read Sterner. Sterner's a fun read. I haven't. No. Sterner and probably um, Conkin are probably two of my like most recent like most impressionable things. It'd be funny, like. It was funny. I was talking to like uh, when I was talking to Popular Liberty the other day. Like a lot of the concepts that come from Sterner, which are very atheistic, very, very not religious. But he was saying a lot of stuff that was very Sterner-esque, and I'm like, it's that other thing where it's like coming to similar conclusions from different logic. It's interesting stuff. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we're getting to a good point. I do want to clarify for those listening that like I fucking I can't clarify caveat this enough that I fucking Dave is like my one of my top libertarian icons and i i you know i guess i did kind of throw shade a little bit there and like how he got his interpretation of map i'd love to hear how he got there because nothing he said really convinced me that he that he was you know got a did it gave matt a fair shake there i just it doesn't make sense to me because it just seems weird i, I really want to see him or someone at that level have a conversation with someone in this realm and like i know he had that talk with pete but it was like i don't think and I love Pete. I just don't, I don't know. I don't feel like Pete wants to interact with him that way or, or Dave wants to interact in that way. Like, it, you know, and Dave, Pete's kind of just like a Jack, like, I don't know. He's, I don't think he's really resolute in one way or the other. So I feel like it would be like a, it would have to be like a you of, uh, or a Sal or a Vin, but I, but I, I think, think Vin, Vin's burned that bridge. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I think that the best person to talk to him would be Andrew. I think that that would be, that Andrew would be the best person to present the ideas to him. Um, I also just, I, I want to reiterate as well that I don't, I don't have, I don't have hard feelings against Dave and I don't have, I'm not like my whole goal here is always, I want to, I want to make Dave better. Like he, I want to, I want to hold him accountable. I want to, I want to, um, keep him you know on the straight and narrow. Like I want him to keep doing the stuff that he's best at. I want him to, to, to keep doing that. And if nobody else is saying something and I feel passionately about it, then I'll say it. 
And if, if people have a problem with that, then that's okay. That's fine. You can have a problem with it. But um, at the end of the day, like I, I want Dave to be the best version of Dave that Dave can be. And I don't think that he is right now. I don't, I think he's, he's that he's not being the best version of himself. And like you said, with that instance, I don't think that he did it justice. I don't, it's not that I think I deserve a response from him. It's that he gave me a response, but he didn't address the substance of, of what I was talking about. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think that Andrew would be the best person because they already have, they've already connected. Um, Andrew has already proven himself as someone that, that uh, cares about the same stuff that Dave does. And Andrew, he explains these things in a way that's so completely different from run of the mill. Uh, even like, cause even the way that I talk about it, I'm not that far removed from the libertarian world. I'm speaking in libertarian language by and large, and I'm just kind of coming to different conclusions. Andrew's coming from fucking left field, man. And he has the wildest takes on these things and they make so much sense. And he just hits you with them rapid fire. So I think that that would be, I think that's probably the best way to get Dave to really engage with these ideas. But I do think that ultimately at the end of the day, it behooves him to not let himself be wavered from the path that he's already on because oh. Because at this point, he needs to be, he needs to maintain a consistent public image and to don't start waffling and, and flip flopping and stuff, just straight and narrow. Yeah. And no, I'm very much similar to you in that, like, I, I get that Dave's going to do what Dave's going to do. I would prefer he did something different because I do think he's one of the best voices we have in the space. And I do think he's being, I do think the path he's going down is the wrong path. And so I feel like there's better paths he could go down. And it's coming from a place of love, if anything. Right. But like at the same time, it's very much a, I mean, I, I, I kind of tell that like a lot of my LPMC friends, I'm more just here to like, say, I told you so. And like, maybe draw some of you guys out later. I, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, th that's really all I can do. I mean, so like, yeah. And then, or at least on the, on the way and still these ideas that way, it's not something to repeat again. They're like, Oh shit. Yeah. You were saying this this whole time. So, I mean, I don't know. Well, I'm kind of the same mean, way. Like know? at the end of the day, like if you're looking at it from in the perspective of incentives at the end of the day, if Dave goes the route that he's going to go, then that benefits guys like you and me because he's opening up market share that by, by, by <laughs> angling in a different direction, he opens up market share that we can absorb. And so, so like uh, to me, I win either way in my own like personal, in my own personal life, apart from the fact that, you know, it, it, it sucks to see someone that you respect do something that that you know you you see a, a problem with, and that sucks to see. But but ultimately, we're going to benefit in either case. So um, so yeah. So I, I like you've said, I assert the same thing that this is coming from a place of of love and respect, and and wanting to see um, not just Dave, but the everybody who's participating in it. I I I have their best interest at heart. Like that's what I that I want to see them. Um, be productive and successful. And and my biggest concern ultimately with all of this is it, the people who, to, to, to run a political campaign like that, you're not going to just get the people who are like the ones we described, who've already got themselves, they've already taken care of their own finances and their family. They've got everything under wraps and they're just bored with their time. So like, hey, why don't I get into politics? You're not going to get those people. You'll get some of those, but just by necessity, by definition, this sort of campaign has to suck in people who have no business getting involved in political activism, people who should be dedicating that to, like from both from like opportunity cost and from like actual potential risks. Because if you like, if you're working a nine to five job and 
you aren't capable of supporting yourself independently, you need to be focused on that. You can't, you can't have one employer. You can't have one single income source that you don't control and then get involved in political activism, especially in this current climate. So those types of people that, you know, when you get a guy who just works at, you know, at Chipotle and then listens to lots of libertarian podcasts and he's like, yeah, I'm going to get into political activism and go knocking on people's doors and, or oh God, please don't go to riots don't, or, or gatherings or protests because they're going to be riots. Don't show up for those events. Avoid gathering together in networks of people who are there explicitly for the premise to oppose the regime. Don't get involved in something like that in the, the current climate. Those are the people that I'm most concerned about. And those, if you're going to run a political campaign, you have to suck in those kinds of people. Those are the ones who don't know any better. And they're going to give you all of their time and attention and money, and they don't have it to give. So those are the people who have that who I have on my heart the most that I I don't want to see them go down this pathway and and either like best case scenario it's just the opportunity cost and they just lose out on the the wealth they could have created for themselves and their families in that in that time spent on political activism worst case you know they they get wound up um, you know being rounded up as opponents of the regime in some capacity and that's obviously that's very very bad and I don't want to see that happen so. So ultimately, my goal is to get a t get people's attention and be like, "Hey, focus on stuff that actually moves the needle and that actually matters." Yeah, I mean, like, if I could do some magical, like, cosmic being hypothetical, like, choice, if I could literally, like, I would cut out all strategy whatsoever in exchange for every fucking libertarian putting on twenty pounds of uh, of muscle mass, put uh, maybe getting a little bit better cardio, and maybe doubling their wealth. If you could do that, you don't even need it. You just created an entire better fucking ecosystem of people to exist with. Like if you if, created a network of people like that and they all relocated to the same place, the fucking gravity that that would that that would like you can believe in energy or not, like or whatever. Like people understand energy. Like they understand when a room has energy or or when you're around a network of people that has has positive energy. Like people get that. So it doesn't you don't have to go woo woo with it. Yeah. If you got that much positive energy in one place with those people all with a singular focus on one project, you would move the fucking world. That's that's what my that's the king pilled goal is to get people all perfecting their own lives, building their own wealth, improving their health, making babies and physically building and working on technology and community. And when I say technology, I mean like, like computers and shit, but also like, like legal technology or, um, or social technology. Like these, like those, the tools can be intangible, but right now we don't have the reason people keep choosing the state is because of market. Like there's market demand for a state because there's no alternative product, and we need people to build that product. So first we need people to build the philosophy and then we need people to apply the philosophy to create a product. And then ultimately you get enough people with wealth and power associated with that and people will naturally glom onto it and you don't have to go the political route. Yeah. I mean, I was just saying, even without actually moving at doing anything, if you just doubled their wealth, made them healthier, smarter people, like it's already, that's better than any fucking strategy you can do. Like yep. people, people scoff, like, Oh, just be rich or whatever. And it's like, I mean, it, like if, if we were able to double the income of every fucking libertarian person, 
that we would be an untouchable class because there right. would be no thoughts of they're going to round us up. Where it's like, like look at these healthy, you know, smart people that have, are of means. Like, why would you fuck with them? <laughs> who would like their communities all love them and they're like yeah. really like popular people who have committed to like to these major initiatives and they've solved all these things and like if you try to round them all up, there's going to be a, such an outcry that like this, like these are our most valuable people. You can't just round them up and throw them in a cage. Like you're, you're going to create your own freedom by making yourself such a valuable person and, and building a community and a network of people who all value you and value what you do that, that the state isn't even going to be a problem to you. And, 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 and if it is now you're all the more empowered to actually deal with it and actually present any kind of a solution apart from just going and begging people. Yeah. People don't like fat, dumb, poor people. <laughs> Generally speaking, I, I don't call it a flaw of humanity, but people don't like fat, dumb, poor people. I, 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 I mean, it's maybe they say shitty to say, but it's true. Like it's true. Point me out a fat, dumb, poor person, and, and like I'll, I'll pull a popularity contest and see how many people like that person. Yeah. Like there is something to bettering yourself, and how that opens up other doors. Like I mean, I'm I'm fucking I'm fairly buffish, dude. I mean, I don't know how many times I've been able to play off things just because. It's like you can tell people give you instant respect just because you are someone who stands up straight and has, a, you know, like and has a, a, an ambiance about you. Like, I'm still an awkward person, but I'm able to get by that because of my fucking build sometimes and shit like that. So, yep. I don't know. Anyways, we're belaboring a point and it's getting late. I could probably easily do another hour with you, but I got shit I got to do. So, uh, <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. We'll do, we should do this again. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Uh, I don't know if you want to drop plugs. Yeah. Um, follow me on Twitter at Real King Pilled. Uh, look for us on YouTube, King Pilled, all one word, K-I-N-G-P-I-L-L-E-D. Um, and then, yeah, that's, oh, Wealth, Power, and Influence. You can uh, find us on Twitter, at Power Influence, uh, or you can go, you can join the network that uh, that we've created with Jason Stapleton. It's primarily for, for entrepreneurs or people who just want to be part of a community of people who are in the process of creating their own freedom um, through building wealth. So we've got our own private social media network. You can go to mynomad.network and sign up for that. And then listen to Wealth, Power, and Influence on any of your, your podcatchers. We release an episode every Monday. Oh, yeah. And I'm uh, No Way Jose YouTube channel. I'm also anywhere audio podcasts are at. I'm on Odyssey. Go get me, hit me up on Twitter uh, at Galley San Jose. Uh, Patreon.com is No Way Jose 2020. Like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And I really appreciate you coming on. Dude. It's been a great conversation. We'll definitely have to do something some other time. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks.